footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to Your Nightmares, and another episode of your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. This week, we continue on the soul's journey with The Fisherman and His Soul by Oscar Wilde. The story takes a dark twist, and I wanted to talk a bit about this because it's important to understand. So we will find specifically the soul acting without a heart in this episode. The fisherman, the human, has the heart. And when he chooses to separate his soul and his heart, well, that creates some problems, which you'll soon discover. It reminded me of a quote from a series of books that I have been reading over and over since this last summer called The Golden Lotus Sutra. They're written by Grandmaster Cho Kosui. This quote is from a book in the series called Compassionate Objectivity. And the quote is, To be smart is good, but you must also have a good heart. Practice tolerance, patience, and kindness in thought, speech, and action. Power without loving kindness manifests as cruelty. Power without intelligence manifests as stupidity. If a person harms other people, the heart of the divine center cannot be cultivated because what was manifested is injury and harmfulness. It is important to show loving kindness to others. I'll let you guys think about that. One of the things that Grandmaster Cho stresses is that unless the heart is at the root of our thoughts, speech, and actions, the results will always manifest in cruelty. And I thought this part of the story this week and next week illustrates this well. We'll talk more about the heart next week at the conclusion of The Fisherman and His Soul. Until then, I want you to lean back and relax. If you're in a place to do it, maybe light a candle or incense and just listen. There's something for you here. Can you feel it? Don't worry. I got your hand. There's nothing to be afraid of. Is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark. The Fisherman and His Soul by Oscar Wilde Narrated by Mav Sky Part 3 And after the second year was over, the soul came down to the shore of the sea and called to the young fisherman, and he rose out of the deep and said, Why dost thou call me? And the soul answered, Come nearer, that I may speak with thee, 
for I have seen marvelous things. So he came nearer and couched in the shallow water and leaned his head upon his hand and listened. And the soul said to him, When I left thee, I turned my face to the south and journeyed. From the south cometh everything that is precious. Six days I journeyed along the highways that lead to the city of Ashtar, along the dusty red dyed highways, by which the pilgrims are wont to go, did I journey. And on the morning of the seventh day, I lifted up my eyes, and lo, the city lay at my feet, for it is in a valley. There are nine gates to this city, and in front of each gate stands a bronze horse that neighs when the Bedouins come down from the mountains. The walls are all cased with copper, and the watchtowers on the walls are roofed with brass. In every tower stands an archer with a bow in his hand. At sunrise, he strikes with an arrow on a gong, and at sunset, he blows through a horn of horn. When I sought to enter, the guards stopped me and asked of me who I was. I made answer that I was a dervish and on my way to the city of Mecca, where there was a green veil on which the Quran was embroidered in silver letters by the hands of the angels. They were filled with wonder and entreated me to pass in. Inside it is even as a bazaar. Surely thou shouldst have been with me. Across the narrow streets, the gay laterns of paper flutter like large butterflies. When the wind blows over the roofs, they rise and fall as painted bubbles do. In front of their booths sit the merchants on silken carpets. They have straight black beards, and their turbans are covered with golden sequins and long strings of amber and carved peach stones glide through their cool fingers. Some of them sell galbanum and nard and curious perfumes from the islands of the Indian Sea and the thick oil of red roses and myrrh and little nail-shaped cloves. When one stops to speak to them, they throw pinches of frankincense upon a charcoal burner and make the air sweet. I saw a Syrian who held in his hands a thin rod like a reed. Gray threads of smoke came from it, and its odor as it burned was as the odor of the pink almond in spring. Others sell silver bracelets, embossed all over with creamy blue turquoise stones, and anklets of brass wire fringed with little pearls, and tiger claws set in gold, and the claws of that gilt cat, the leopard, set in gold also, and the earrings of pierced emerald and finger rings of hollowed jade. From the tea houses come the sound of the guitar, and the opium smokers with their white smiling faces looking out at the passers-by. Of a truth thou shouldest have been with me. The wine sellers elbow their way through the crowd with great black skins on their shoulders. Most of them sell the wine of Shiraz, which is as sweet as honey. They serve it in little metal cups and strew rose leaves upon it. In the marketplace stand the fruit sellers who sell all kinds of fruit, ripe figs with their bruised purple flesh, melons smelling of musk and yellow as topazes, 
citrons and rose apples and clusters of white grapes, round red gold oranges and oval lemons of green gold. Once I saw an elephant go by. Its trunk was painted with vermilion and turmeric, and over its ears it had a net of crimson silk cord. It stopped opposite of the booths and began eating the oranges, and the man only laughed. Thou canst not think how strange a people they are. When they are glad, they go to the bird sellers and buy of them a caged bird, and set it free that their joy may be greater. And when they are sad, they scourge themselves with thorns that their sorrow may not grow less. One evening, I met some servants carrying a heavy palanquin through the bazaar. It was made of gilded bamboo, and the poles were of vermilion lacquer studded with brass peacocks. Across the windows hung thin curtains of muslin embroidered with beetle wings and with tiny seed pearls. And as it passed by, a pale-faced Caucasian looked out and smiled at me. I followed behind, and the servants hurried their steps and scowled. But I did not care. I felt a great curiosity come over me. At last, they stopped at a square white house. There were no windows to it, only a little door like the door of a tomb. They set down the palanquin and knocked three times with a copper hammer. An Armenian in a caftan of green leather peered through the wicket, and when he saw them, he opened and spread a carpet on the ground, and the woman stepped out. As she went in, she turned around and smiled at me again. I had never seen anyone so pale. When the moon rose, I returned to the same place and sought for that house, but it was no longer there. When I saw that, I knew who the woman was. And wherefore she had smiled at me. Certainly, thou shouldst have been with me. On the feast of the new moon, the young emperor came forth from his palace and went into the mosque to pray. His hair and beard were dyed with rose leaves, and his cheeks were powdered with a fine gold dust. The palms of his feet and hands were yellow with saffron. At sunrise. He went forth from his palace in a robe of silver, and at sunset he returned to it again in a robe of gold. The people flung themselves on the ground and hid their faces, but I would not do so. I stood by the stall of a seller of dates and waited. And when the emperor saw me, he raised his painted eyebrows and stopped. I stood quite still. And made him no obeisance. The people marvelled at my boldness, and counselled me to flee from the city. I paid no heed to them, but went and sat with the sellers of strange gods, who, by reason of their craft, are abominated. When I told them what I had done, each of them gave me a god and prayed me to leave them. That night, as I lay on a cushion in the tea house, that is the street of pomegranates. The guards of the emperor entered and led me to the palace. As I went in, they closed each door behind me and put a chain across it. Inside was a great court with an arcade running all around. The walls were of white alabaster, set here and there with blue and green tiles. The pillars were of green marble, 
in the pavement of a kind of peach blossom marble. I had never seen anything like it before. As I passed across the court, two veiled women looked down from a balcony and cursed me. The guards hastened on, and the butts of the lances rang upon the polished floor. They opened a gate of wrought ivory, and I found myself in a watered garden of seven terraces. It was planted with tulip cups and moonflowers and silver-studded aloes. Like a slim reed of crystal, a fountain hung in the dusky air. The cypress trees were like burnt-out torches. From one of them, a nightingale was singing. At the end of the garden stood a little pavilion. As we approached it, two eunuchs came out to meet us. Their fat bodies swayed as they walked, and they glanced curiously at me with their yellow-lidded eyes. One of them drew aside the captain of the guard, and in a low voice whispered to him. The other kept munching scented pastels, which he took with an infected gesture out of an oval box of lilac enamel. After a few moments, the captain of the guard dismissed the soldiers. They went back to the palace, the eunuchs following slowly behind and plucking the sweet mulberries from the trees as they passed. Once the elder of the two turned around and smiled at me with an evil smile. Then the captain of the guard motioned me towards the entrance of the pavilion. I walked on without trembling, and drawing the heavy curtain aside, I entered in. The young emperor was stretched on a couch of dyed lion skins, and a gur falcon perched upon his wrist. Behind him stood a brass-turbaned Nubian, naked down to the waist, and with heavy earrings in his split ears. On a table by the side of the couch lay a mighty scimitar of steel. When the emperor saw me, he frowned, and said to me, What is thy name? Knowest thou not that I am the emperor of this city? But I made him no answer. He pointed with his finger at the scimitar, and the Nubian seized it, and rushing forward struck at me with great violence. The blade whizzed through me, and did not hurt. The man fell sprawling on the floor, and when he rose up, his teeth chattered with terror, and he hid himself behind the couch. The emperor leapt to his feet, and taking a lance from a stand of arms, he threw it at me. I caught it in its flight, and broke the shaft into two pieces. He shot at me with an arrow, but I held up my hands, and it stopped in midair. Then he drew a dagger from a belt of white leather, and stabbed the Nubian in the throat, lest the slave should tell of his dishonor. The man writhed like a trampled snake, and a red foam bubbled from his lips. As soon as he was dead, the emperor turned to me, and when he had wiped away the bright sweat from his brow with a little napkin of purfled and purple silk, he said to me, Art thou a prophet, that I may not harm thee? Or the son of a prophet, that I can do thee no hurt? I pray thee, leave my city tonight, for while thou art in it, I am no longer its lord. And I answered him, I will go for half of thy treasure. Give me half of thy treasure, and I will go away. He took me by the hand and led me out into the garden. When the captain of the guard saw me, he wondered. When the eunuchs saw me, 
Their knees shook, and they fell upon the ground in fear. There is a chamber in the palace that has eight walls of red porphyry and a brass-scaled ceiling hung with lamps. The emperor touched one of the walls and it opened, and we passed down a corridor that was lit with many torches. In niches upon each side stood great wine jars filled to the brim with silver pieces. When we reached the center of the corridor, the emperor spake the word that may not be spoken, and a granite door swung back on a secret spring, and he put his hands before his face, lest his eyes should be dazzled. Thou couldst not believe how marvelous a place it was. There was huge tortoise shells full of pearls, and hollowed moonstones of great size, piled up with red rubies. The gold was stored in coffers of elephant hide, and the gold dust in leather bottles. There were opals and sapphires, the former in cups of crystal, and the latter in cups of jade. Round green emeralds are ranged in order upon thin plates of ivory, and in one corner, where silk bags were filled, some with turquoise stones and others with pearls. The ivory horns were heaped with purple amethysts, and the horns of brass with chalcedonies and sards. The pillars, which were of cedar, were hung with strings of yellow lynx stones. In the flat oval shields, there were carbuncles, both wine-colored and colored like grass. And yet I have told thee but a tithe of what was there. And when the emperor had taken away his hands from before his face, he said to me, This is my house of treasure, and half that is in thy house is thine even as I promised to thee. And I will give thee camels and camel drivers, and they shall do thy bidding and take thy share of the treasure to whatever part of the world thou desirest to go. And the thing shall be done tonight, for I would not that the son, who is my father, should see that there is in my city a man who I cannot slay. But I answered him, The gold that is here is thine. And the silver also is thine, and thine are the precious jewels and the things of price. As for me, I have no need of these things, nor shall I take aught from thee but that little ring that thou wearest on the finger of thy hand. And the emperor frowned. It is but a ring of lead, he cried, nor has it any value. Therefore take my half the treasure and go from my city. Nay, I answered, but I will take naught but that leaden ring, for I know what is written within it, and for what purpose. And the emperor trembled, and besought me, and said, Take all the treasure and go from my city. The half that is mine shall be thine also. And I did a strange thing, but what I did matters not, for in a cave that is but a day's journey from this place have I hidden the ring of riches. It is but a day's journey from this place, and it waits for thy coming. He who has this ring is richer than all the kings of the world. Come, therefore, and take it, and the world's riches shall be thine. But the young fisherman laughed. Love is better than riches, he cried, and the little mermaid loves me. Nay, but there is nothing better than riches, said his soul. Love is better 
answered the young fisherman. And he plunged into the deep, and the soul went weeping away over the marshes. And after the third year was over, the soul came down to the shore of the sea and called to the young fisherman. And he rose out of the deep and said, Why dost thou call me? And the soul answered, Come nearer, that I may speak with thee, for I have seen marvelous things. So he came nearer and couched in the shallow water, and leaned his head upon his hand and listened. And the soul said to him, In a city that I know of, there is an inn that standeth by a river. I sat there with sailors who drink of two different colored wines, and ate bread with made of barley, and little saltfish served in bay leaves with vinegar. And as we sat and made merry, there entered to us an old man bearing a leather carpet, and a lute that had two horns of amber. And when he had laid out the carpet on the floor, he struck with a quill on the wire strings of his lute. And a girl, whose face was veiled, ran in and began to dance before us. Her face was veiled with a veil of gauze, but her feet were naked. Naked were her feet, and they moved over the carpet like little white pigeons. Never have I seen anything so marvelous. And the city in which she dances is but a day's journey from this place. Now when the young fisherman heard the words of his soul, he remembered that the little mermaid had no feet and could not dance. And a great desire came over him, and he said to himself, It is but a day's journey, and I can return to my love. And he laughed and stood up in the shallow water and strode towards the shore. And when he had reached the dry shore, he laughed again and held out his arms to his soul. And his soul gave a great cry of joy and ran to meet him, and entered into him. And the young fisherman saw stretched before him upon the sand that shadow of the body that is the body of the soul. And his soul said to him, Let us not tarry, but get hence at once, for the sea gods are jealous and have monsters that do their bidding. So they made haste, and all that night they journeyed beneath the moon, and all the next day they journeyed beneath the sun, and on the evening of the day they came to a city. And the young fisherman said to his soul, Is this the city in which she dances, of whom thou didst speak to me? And his soul answered him, It is not this city, but another. Nevertheless, let us enter in. So they entered in and passed through the streets. And as they passed through the streets of the jewelers, the young fisherman saw a fair silver cup set forth in a booth. And his soul said to him, Take that silver cup and hide it. So he took the cup and hid it in the fold of his tunic. And after that they had gone a league from the city, the young fisherman frowned and flung the cup away and said to his soul, Why didst thou tell me to take this cup and hide it? For it was an evil thing to do. But his soul answered him, Be at peace, be at peace. And on the evening of the second day they came to the city. And the young fisherman said to his soul, Is this the city in which she dances, of whom thou didst speak to me? And his soul answered him, It is not this city, but another. Nevertheless, let us enter in. 
So they entered in and passed through the streets. And as they passed through the streets of the cellar of sandals, the young fisherman saw a child standing by a jar of water. And his soul said to him, Smite that child. So he smote that child until it wept. And when he had done this, they hurriedly went out of the city. And after that, they had gone a league from the city. The young fisherman grew wroth and said to his soul, Why didst thou tell me to smite the child? For it was an evil thing to do. But his soul answered him, Be at peace, be at peace. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mavsky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mavsky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today. <laughs>